Welcome to Fields of Consciousness, the podcast for consciousness conversations. We are your hosts. I'm Jeffrey Stegman. And I'm Clayton Stedman. As consciousness explorers and founders of Focus Life Force Energy, we are here to bring a holistic approach to consciousness and share practical examples of how you can take your life to the next level. From your food to your relationships, let's explore consciousness together. In this week's episode, we discuss a little of our background, some models of consciousness for you to explore, and everyday examples of how fields of consciousness are already present in your life and how you may be experiencing them. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the Fields of Consciousness. Glad to be here with you today. We're going to start at the beginning. Clayton, would you like to talk about how you first became interested in consciousness? Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Um, so this is episode one. Um, we're going back to the start of our, of our journey um, into trying to understand life better, I suppose, would be one way to say it. And all of us have our journey, and there's been a few people that wanted us to, to go back to the kind of the beginning. So um, I don't know if the high school is the beginning, but it seems like my beginning uh, in terms of exploring consciousness. Um, there comes a point when you start to develop your own individuality and become curious about why other people are the way you, uh, they are and how you can change yourself to take on some of those, um, those attributes of others that you respect and admire. And so that was really uh, apparent to me in high school as I started to see um, you know, different friends of mine that I respected be able to do things fairly naturally that I, that I struggled with doing or that I couldn't do. And I seen them do things that they had to work really hard at that I, I found more natural. And uh, so in terms of influences back then, it was um, more general personal development, uh, the books, um, um, Dale Carnegie's work was pretty popular because uh, uh, back in, when I was in high school, it was in the eighties and there was different speakers. And um, in the West, we tend to have personal development speakers who are, are like cultural gurus. Whereas in the, in the East, they have, uh, you know, traditional religion or spirituality and they have their, their gurus within that. I was brought up uh, in a church setting. So that there was certainly the influence of the Bible but I didn't, uh, I didn't relate as much to that as I related to individuals that I wanted to be like. So I read biographies of people and uh, I won't get into any of the specifics because some of the people's biographies that I read didn't turn out to be the people that I wanted to follow <laughs> in all parts of the life, you know how that works. <laughs> so um, yeah, and then after high school and I started working it was more about the technical part of consciousness in terms of managing time and uh, being clear about my values 
and having my values run my time instead of the demands of the outside world. That was a really big uh, change for me when I switched that model of thinking. Um, in fact, I worked for the largest time management training company in the world at one point and uh, ended up getting into the coaching part of that as opposed to the sales part because I wasn't very good at the selling, but the coaching I felt come pretty naturally because um, I had some training in life skills coaching before that. And um, shortly after the life skills coaches training, I did um, business coaching with this large time management company. And then I did um, another personal coaching training after that. So I went to three different coaching schools and that was, that was my career from about 1995 on. I had a few part-time jobs as I built my practice. Um, and sometimes my practice was part-time and I had a full-time job until it got established. Before I got into coaching, I worked for private schools for 11 years because I really enjoyed um, uh, education. And I was also part of an Eastern-based philosophy for 11 years. I was very committed to that and quite active as, as many were in that organization. And um, of course, we did a lot of comparative studies of different philosophies. And that, that's what I was going to uh, these or working for these schools part-time and oftentimes taking courses through the schools. So it was more of a, uh, I think a career planning focus, my interest in consciousness in my, in my twenties and early thirties because of trying to be established in the world and find joy in work. And I was involved in uh, men's groups for 10 years. I've spent thousands and thousands of hours and, in uh, different process groups. I won't mention them all, but yeah, thousands of uh, hours. And uh, spent a lot of time doing personal development seminars, a lot of time in, uh, in group work. Yeah. And then uh, after I was in coaching for about nine years, I had a personal coaching practice, a personal and business coaching. My main focus was um, entrepreneurs who considered business their spiritual path. And uh, I had, you know, some senior executives, including Fortune 500 senior VPs. So that was a big part of my um, influence in my 30s. And then um, in 2004, I came across Dr. David Hawkins' work. And I'd been in coaching for about nine years then. And uh, I think I had four people tell me about his work. So I finally figured out the universe was trying to you know, send me a message and I read Power Versus Force and my life changed. Um, I actually believed it was possible to do kinesiology. I think that's probably enough for, uh, for, this, uh, for this piece, Jeff. So I'll, I'll hand it back to you. It's great to hear about that, that history of you learning kinesiology or muscle testing and following Dr. Dr. David Hawkins' work and yeah, I really, uh, really enjoyed his work too. And yeah, the idea of freedom, um, I, th I think that was really intertwined for me early on too uh, with consciousness. And it's become a big part of FLFE, you know, people being uh, free, you know, how do we all become more free? And, uh, you know, early on, I read science fiction to be free. You know, when I was really young, I was just 
immersed in it, you know, and it was all these worlds, all these life forms, different forms of intelligence. And it was just, it was so fascinating to me that, you know, it just opened up, you know, the whole universe as part of my world. I just felt so much freedom there. And, um, and I sort of transferred that to, you know, undersea interest. And I was interested in marine biology. I went to, um, see this camp sea camp in Florida where we worked with dolphins. We did dolphin training and just seeing the intelligence, the non-human intelligence there, the non-human consciousness um, led me to uh, Dr. John Lilly, Dr. John C. Lilly, who wrote the mind of the dolphin, which was just a fascinating study where they, uh, it was a woman and a, and a dolphin living together in a house that they built in, in St. Thomas for this, where it was just like shallow water and the dolphins running around and they're interacting. And the, um, the, the, the level of consciousness of the, or the intelligence of the dolphin was dolphins that they were working with was, was to such an extent and that they eventually let them all go. So it made quite an impression on me at the time. And uh, so, I, you know, that the, the idea that consciousness is only in people, you know, it's only in humans just kind of went out the, <laughs> went, went out the door for me. Um, and it led me to John Lilly's second book, or I don't know if it's second, but his Center of the Cyclone book, which was subtitled Looking into Inner Space. I don't know if you've ever read that one, Clayton, but he, he had a near-death experience um, and he went down the tunnel, you know, just the kind of traditional near, near-death experience, met his guides, guides talked to him. They sent him back, you know, you need, there's more for you to do in this life. So he, he worked to recreate that uh, with sensory deprivation flow tanks. You know, those were kind of the rage in the, you know, 60s and 70s. And um, and he would do it with LSD, you know, and he would get, could get into this, some of the same spaces. So, of course, you know, age 14, I tried to reproduce that myself, you know, it's like in a closet. Of course, it wasn't quite a float tank, you know, I'm like in a closet laying on the floor. Um, and I didn't quite get there, but it was like I was exploring. I really, really wanted to have that freedom and explore the inner consciousness and what, you know, what that meant. Um, and at 15, my mother gave me the gift of transcendental meditation. We did it together. And um, just that took me into the inner realms, you know, without using drugs, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the longer and more fruitful path from my experience. Um, but it's down the rabbit hole and, in near-death experiences, reading books about that and evidence of past lives. Um, one of my one of one of my pivotal books, kind of first spiritual book, was Many Lives, Many Masters. Um, but I also read, you know, Yogananda and other things. So, and meanwhile, I was in business. Like, how do we bring consciousness um, to light in business? In freedom around um, kind of around belief systems and societal belief systems that, you know, kind of impose a, a type of consciousness on us and how do we become free of that? 
and create our own way of being together uh, that, that has freedom for everyone. So, yeah, that's, that's really where I, you know, got started as a young man. And then, you know, I met you, Clayton. I was working with a coach, Jim Follett, and we were working on meaning and purpose in business. I always felt like I needed a coach and always used someone to, to help me to help me develop. And at some point he said, I've taken you as far as I can. I'm going to give you, I'm going to pass you off to Clayton, to Clayton Stedman to work with you. And so we started to work together and that's where I really saw the power of kinesiology, uh, the muscle testing that you were doing and you were measuring my consciousness and all these different areas. Uh, it was just amazing, Clayton, that, that whole process where I really, you know, you, you would find those low consciousness spots that I thought nobody would notice about this. You know, I can hide this really well, but it just, the, the kinesiology is just the truth, you know, it just takes us to the truth. And then that low spot in my consciousness with some uh, energetic medicine, I could start to start to move it up and be more free, you know, be free of those beliefs about myself, about uh, others, you know, father, son, societal business. There were just, there were so many, it seemed, um, thought forms and consciousness patterns that were not me, you know, but they were there in my awareness. So that's when I really started to open up into, you know, well, consciousness is not just my thoughts. There's so much more else happening there. Um, and then do you, I'd love to, love to hear your, your view on the service projects, the first, you know, getting started and with the inventor and. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, um, I had a real health challenge in 2008 and, um, I'd started looking for different techniques to measure the level of appropriateness to heal the health challenge I was having. And uh, I came across this uh, inventor who had a, a technology that tested as the most appropriate um, technology to help the condition I had. And I was doing lots of things like, you know, mega dosing vitamin C and other supplements, drinking alkalized water, changed my diet. I tried different diets and, um, uh, I was at the point where I couldn't walk in a straight line. It was a pretty, you know, I was getting, mm -hmm. I was getting close to, uh, to exiting. I would say, I think it was an exit mm -hmm. point and uh, came across this technology and met this inventor. And, and as soon as I started experimenting with the technology, I started getting really uh, well, really quick. And we ended up spending a lot of time together and um, eventually I was, you know, talking to people about this. I was, pretty inspired and in awe of the, of the potential to help people with this technology. And, you know, we don't use it for health as such. We use it for consciousness. So we don't make any health claims, but it did certainly help me. And, um, and then, you know, I, I told Jeff about this technology and he's, we're both kind of gearheads. So eventually we flew up to, to meet the inventor and we got to, um, see the technology and early version of it, kind of like the model T, you know, 
the Model T compared to the current Tesla, if you want to use that metaphor. Um, but that was, uh, you know, we're still looking into different technologies. And we use kinesiology to measure the level of consciousness of the technology and the level of appropriateness of it in a certain context. And uh, we'll eventually get into more about how to measure things, but uh, we're still looking to this day. And so it's been 14 years since I've been playing with, uh, experimenting with the, what is now the, the FLFE system. And um, I always enjoyed that story, Jeff, you, you tell about the first time uh, we went into the inventor's home. (laughs) (laughs) So this, this is, you know, we call it a consciousness technology and, um, I really felt it in my body. I mean, we walked in, I walked into this inventor's home, Clayton and I went in together, met his dog, met us in the yard. And it was kind of a messy bachelor house. Uh, But it's like my hair stood up. I mean, there was just a feeling in my body of energy, like, um, like the core of my body or my being was lit up with light or energy. I just felt like energized, like I could just run around. Uh, the house. And um, after we were there for a couple of hours, then we went to lunch uh, down the street. We just walked up the street and it was, everyone in the restaurant was so beautiful. I mean, I could just see their story. I could just see what was beautiful about them. And I was having an enlightenment experience where I was really seen beyond sight. You know, I was really felt like I was seen into those into those people. And it was such a beautiful experience. I'm like, all right, we, we've got to work with this. This is really, um, you know, there was a, there was a consciousness field there. There was a feeling and an experience of being, being in that space that we discovered we could recreate. And that's the basis of FLFE that we could activate that same environment anywhere in the world with this quantum connection that occurs with this technology. So that's really how we started FLFE. And we just ran with it doing service work. That was a wild time, Clayton. Yeah, we, we came across this technology and we started wondering, well, what, what can we do with it? And uh, one of the discoveries was we found out the quantum association that was possible was a non-local phenomena. Much like Dr. Hawkins discovered that uh, Dr. David Hawkins, um, he's author of Power Versus Force and many other books, we use his um, scale of consciousness to measure things. That's our typical scale. Um, I think Dr. Hawkins discovered kinesiology is a non-local phenomena so that if Jeff and I were like in the same room, we could do some testing on supplements. That's a local phenomena to see if they're how good it is for the body. But if we're good kinesiologists, Jeff should be able to test if that supplement's good for me and I'm 3000 miles away and I could test it for him or anybody else could test it for anybody theoretically. So we, um, there's many, many discoveries since we've kind of taken on the stewardship of the technology. And one of them is, uh, well, there's, so this, this technology, it had two big input stacks. So it would pull the energy in. Well, it started with one input stacks and it went to two and more, but the, it would pull the energy in from the ether and then concentrate it at the bottom of an, out, of an output stack. And down at the bottom of the output stack was a little 
place uh, where you'd put the request to divinity. And then right in the beginning, there were three by five cards. I would say, uh, I think we said, dear divinity, please do this. And then later on, we figured out we had to ask at the end of each request to say only do this if it's in the highest and best interest of all creation or do it in such a way that it is in the highest and best interest of all creation. We didn't know that back then. Um, and we ended up, um, yeah, so the inventor was, uh, he had these, he would charge up these crystals and put them all around the house. So that's, and then the charge would eventually go down, but that's when Jeff and I walked in that day, he just charged up a bunch of crystals and put them around the house. And yeah, that place was electric. It was like the, the, the hair on your arms would stand up, you know, those goosebump things. Um, yeah. So we, he was on the phone one day with a, with a friend of his and he just put a piece of marble in from a broken countertop, you know, those nice marble countertops. He'd found a broken piece uh, and he'd put it in there and uh, he charged it up in this uh, output stack and he was going to put it around the house. He pulled the piece of marble out and he was holding it in his hand as he was talking to his phone on the friend and they were on the phone for like half an hour. And when he hung up the, hung up the phone, he noticed that the uh, arthritic pain in his uh, hand and arm had gone away and he had bad arthritis. So that was, uh, and again, we don't make health claims. And that's what happened in terms of talking to friends of his, he, he wondered if that would work if he sent it to a friend. And so he took it, this marble and couriered it over to Europe and some friends of his who had arthritis, um, their arthritic pain would go away when they held it. And uh, so that was the discovery uh, that we made that, um, well, actually, okay. So the next discovery was that we could charge that piece of marble rem uh, remotely with a picture. That's what I, I, I discovered that. And so um, that was exciting. I mean, we, we could have put a, put a picture in of that piece of marble and it would charge it back up because they were shipping the marble back and forth from Europe. It was really expensive with all the courier fees. And, um, and so there's so many discoveries. And that sort of led to the service work where we, uh, we would go on Google Earth. And this is just before 2012. So you know, 2011, I came across the technology. I think 2009, Jeff flew up and then we were playing with it. And I ended up living in the Middle East for a couple of years. And when I came back, we got into it again. We started working together in the coaching context. And uh, we were uh, doing service work for humanity up, uh, up to 2012, Jeff, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'll let you pick it up from there. Zooming around the earth on, on uh, Google Earth. Yeah, so we, you know what we discovered is that we could raise consciousness in an area if we had an identifier like coordinates. So Google Earth was great because you could you know fly around and then pick coordinates for an area and raise the consciousness. So yeah, we went. We spent a whole year doing just plain disservice work, you know, looking to raise some consciousness. And we can talk a little bit later about what it feels like in some of these places, uh, what it feels like at in at different, different levels of consciousness. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, as we, you know, as we went more and more into this and really looked at, okay, we're raising consciousness. What does that mean? You know, and I go, went back partly to my training in college, you know, a science training and, 
you know, the belief there was that consciousness is only in the brain, you know, that it's like neurochemical or it's neurons firing. And it just went so against what we were doing and what I had learned early on um, near death experiences and um, past lives and, you know, consciousness kind of continuing from one life to another um, that, you know, there were so many other things happening in the world that uh, people doing research, like in remote viewing, um, morphic fields like uh, Rupert uh, Sheldrake, um, and a few studied uh, some of his work lately. Yeah, yeah, Rupert Sheldrake, David Baum. Yeah, and I studied with Ken Wilbur for a number of years, um, and sort of part of his integral theory is levels of consciousness um, in different domains of your life, which was this, you know, after I'd done that, and then I started working with you and you, we were looking at my level of consciousness in different areas of my life. It was just the same as Ken Wilber's work, you know, mm-hmm. in spiral dynamics integral is, you know, one of the kind of scales that they use. And um, Don Beck was, you know, one of the original authors of that. And it was, it was so interesting because, freedom was a part of that as well. It's like you had a certain level. And then as you moved into, started to evolve through that, that there would be like a death of that old, those old beliefs and you would be free of those. And there'd be kind of a chaotic period where you don't really have the new beliefs formed yet, but you've got the old beliefs dead or dying. Uh, And so there's this chaotic period where then you're reforming uh, at a higher level. And some people call that, um, dark night of the soul, you know, where things are reorganizing and you're moving to a higher level, but not yet gelled there. So there's, yeah, that's so much more to consciousness than what's going on in your brain. You know, there's so, and I know we'll, we'll get into it in future episodes as well. Like where do your thoughts come from? Are they really your thoughts? Like we, like we talked earlier about these societal thought patterns, um, maybe thought patterns that are in the land or in an area uh, or emotions that are in an area where maybe trauma occurred, those kind of things that are, okay, these are not me, you know, this, this, these are not just my thoughts thinking they're something else happening. Um, so what about the, how things feel like there's, so we're, if there's these different fields of consciousness, there's things happening, maybe perhaps in the land where there was trauma or we go somewhere. How does that show up for you, Clayton, in your body? Um, how do you feel that? Yeah. Well, what's interesting about humans just as a, as a way of surviving, we are very refined consciousness instruments in many ways Mm. just the fact that we uh, survive in the world Mm. and um, a lot of people use the metaphors of you know there's a sixth sense we have for danger because that's what protect protected us from the you know the saber-toothed tiger or whatever you want to call it you know in in our in our uh, ancestral days we'll say they can go back a long way and Mm. yeah it was um, just back to the feelings i mean um, 
the higher you, your level of consciousness, it seems like there's a lot more sensitivity in your nervous system. Mm-hmm. And I think after the past life regression therapy and the changes I was able to make, I noticed that when I went into an area that my uh, spidey senses were definitely stronger. Like mm-hmm. there was mm-hmm. a greater level of discernment. And I think that's true of anybody going up in consciousness. Mm-hmm. There is a greater awareness of your peaceful state and your um, and other states. Mm-hmm. And so you know, we, we talk with Jeff about, you know, going into like an old prison. There's a lot of old prisons now that you can do tours in. Um, one particular experience I had when I was in the Middle East, I was in this um, town called Nizwa. It used to be the capital of Oman was a fort in the desert where they had a huge spring in it. And in the fort, there's literally a, a town almost inside the fort. It was around the fort. There was a town. The fort was pretty big. That's the way they used to build those. And in, in that culture is they build a really large fort around the spring. And then they would, a town would develop out, outside the fort, some of it in inside, if it was big enough, but there was one area where it was the, it was their uh, prison cell in the fort. And, uh, I remember going down into that, like kind of the, you know, the, the naive tourist and it wasn't on the tour. I was just walking around because the tour guy was talking about all the stuff I knew about because I studied that country a lot. And because um, I was going to live there and I was really interested in it. So I went down into this prison cell. And for those who understand the Hawkins scale of consciousness, the, that prison cell uh, calibrated at uh, five out of a thousand, just basically hell. And um yeah, there were some beings down there that were still trapped, I believe, in, in, in that in the suffering they experienced. And so that was a you know a real visceral experience of that was the lowest consciousness place I'd ever been to at that time in my life, and it, it is the lowest one I've been into since. Uh, I would probably test the level of consciousness of an area before I went into it now, just because of what I experienced in that cell. It was very disturbing. Uh, it was it was a very very dark place. And, uh, and I've been to some pretty high places and I noticed that, you know, it's just much easier to think happy thoughts, to be at peace, to get better ideas uh, about things that I'm curious about. And just actually at some point, um, there's an experience of almost being free of sensation in the body there is this kind of connection that you, well, that I had in the high places where I didn't feel like I was leaving my body, but I was, I was definitely where I was, I was more than a body where I was in the prison cell. When I visited that, right. It was like the head, like I could literally feel shackles on my arms and, you know, and and ankles. And there was a heaviness in my, like the heat was oppressive there anyway. And just this, heaviness in my chest and uh, kind of that sinking feeling in my, in my, in my stomach, you know, it's just like the, my battery's just getting drained being there. So I was there for maybe 30 seconds. I got the heck out of there, <laughs> but it took a while to shake it off. So those are, there's some extremes for me, Jeff. I mean, you might, might have a couple stories there on your own. Yeah. I tend to feel it in my body. Um, you know, like either a heaviness, like in those those lower places, like I've been to some old battlefields 
where a lot of people died and um, and some prisons, um, prisons in England that I visited. And yeah, I feel it very heavy like that, sort of in the pit of my stomach and very low energy. You know, I always feel like it just drain me, like you, like you were saying, your battery feeling drained. Um, that that lower that, that lower consciousness feeling there is just heavy, heavy and draining, um, as opposed to the elevated. Like when I was in that the, the inventor's house that we were mm-hmm. talking about, uh, activation where I felt very energized. And yeah, I know what you mean about that, like beyond the body feeling, where there's a connection to something bigger, much bigger than us, rather than this really. The, the dark ones seem like a really concentrated, very small experience versus a very elevated, big experience. And um, I've also felt that in cathedrals in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in one cathedral. It was really interesting. I was walking towards um, where, the, where the priest gives the sermon. And the closer I got, the more I felt the, the elevated feeling. And then when I walked away, I could see it, feel it going down, you know. So there was definitely a, like a higher energy, higher consciousness area in that portion of the cathedral. And from what I've read since, you know, the, the, the way it's designed and perhaps the um, energetic um, structures underneath when they were there before they even built a cathedral, you know, produce that high zone. Um, and yeah, I feel it in my body uh, as a sensation, you know, as, as a, a tingling or a, a lightness versus a heaviness. Um, we certainly over the past year have had some different consciousness experiences with uh, the whole COVID and, you know, like last summer, the world really was a different place. It felt really different. So as we walk around the world, you know, what, we've, what we're saying is there's fields of consciousness. There's areas that feel differently uh, to us. You know, they may be uh, very high and elevating or very low and <clears throat> draining and heavy. So it, it would be great. And we'll, it would be great for you as a listener to, as you're walking through your day, see what you notice in your body, like paying attention to the awareness um, for me, it's kind of around my heart. It's around my stomach area. It might be what I perceive as my core that I feel different sensations as I go into different places. You know, like you just walk into a dive bar and see how you feel, you know, walk into a place of worship and see how you feel. And that, you know, in these next episodes, we'll talk a lot more about fields of consciousness, what that is and what that means for us really in terms of our freedom, in terms of our, our lives and kind of our happiness and freedom and the way we live our lives and interact with others. Yeah. So I guess we're at closing thoughts, Jeff. And since I got the floor, I'll, I'll try to say, say something and give you a moment to think. Um, uh, about Eight years ago now, uh, Jeff and I started the company. So September 24th, 2013, so seven and a half years. And um, a few years before that, I committed to 
do business as a spiritual path. And that was part of my exploration with uh, my clients since 1995. It uh, was really to specialize in working with business as a spiritual path oriented entrepreneurs. And, um, and it was, those are great conversations and it was a great space to be in. And FLFE has been a further expression of that personally. After I recommitted about 10 years ago, I was in a transition. Uh, like you were talking with, you know, talking about Jeff when, you know, one door in your life closes and another one opens, you know, the hallways are, the hallways are challenging called that <laughs> or they can be. Yeah. And, um, so I guess my invitation to you personally is to, uh, to join us on this adventure of looking at business as a spiritual path, which we'll share with you our story and, and to share the adventure of exploring consciousness and empowering yourself to understand and celebrate being human. Humans are amazing creatures and we're flawed and we're amazing. And um, FLFE, you know, Focus Life Force Energy has been, uh, you know, the peak experience for, for me in my business life. And, uh, and working with Jeff has been, you know, another highlight of that. And I uh, hope that we can share with you some of the joy that I've experienced in, in serving the world in this way. And, uh, and, uh, I just look forward to, sh to sharing that with you all. Mm -hmm. And for me, it is a journey of, of freedom as well. And that, yeah, we look forward to sharing, sharing that journey of freedom with you and where these, all these different aspects of consciousness sort of come together. And as, as Clayton said, is this amazing human experience um, how can we consciously, you know, to use that word, you know, work with all these different aspects to be free and to, you know, with freedom comes, you know, joyous, joyous living and, um, you know, deep, deep uh, loving relationships. So it's, it's been quite a journey together and we're really glad to share it with you. Thank you for joining Fields of Consciousness, a podcast of consciousness conversations. We invite you to visit the link below the episode to experience a completely free trial of Focused Life Force Energy, or FLFE, for 15 days. This is a big part of our life's work. Our goal being to support the optimal conditions for the evolution of consciousness in the economized society we live in. FLFE creates a pristine, loving, energetic environment for people to thrive in. It is our free gift to you. Uh, no credit card is required. We invite you to subscribe to Fields of Consciousness podcast and tune in next time. We release new episodes every other week on Tuesdays at 11 11 a.m. BST. Onward and upward. <laughs>